Here on State Road in Parma, there are Ukrainian flags on the road signs and um, at the back of the St. Josephat's Ukrainian Cathedral, there are um, signs to Kiev, which is 4,896 miles away. That's Kara Magugan. She's been reporting on the midterm elections for The Post. And she recently visited a city called Parma, Ohio. It's home to one of the largest Ukrainian-American populations in a state that has many descendants from Eastern Europe. There's Ukrainian flags and solidarity with Ukraine in every shop window, you know, from, from the butchers to the dentists. All of them are run by Ukrainian-Americans. When you go into shops, a lot of people are speaking Ukrainian. I went into a few where um, the owners couldn't actually talk to me because we didn't have a translator. So really the roots are strong to Eastern Europe there. People in this community are paying very close attention to the war in Ukraine. They're also paying attention to something else, the Ohio Senate race, and where the candidates stand on the war in Ukraine. I want a foreign policy establishment that puts the interests of our citizens first. Republican J.D. Vance is running against Democrat Tim Ryan in a state that Trump won in 2020. And what Kara found is many of these Ukrainian-American communities usually vote conservative, but they're not happy that Vance has said he wants to cut off aid to Ukraine. Regardless of your political background, um, to express that you really don't care what happens in Ukraine is heartbreaking. I've always voted for conservative candidates. However, I will break that tradition in this midterm. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, October 31st. Today, a close Senate race where the war in Ukraine could be a deciding factor. It's almost prevailing wisdom in American politics that foreign policy is never the top issue for voters. The thinking goes, voters care more about what's going on in their own backyards than what's happening on the other side of the globe. But in one community in Ohio, the war in Ukraine is front and center. And hanging in the balance is which party controls Washington. Political watchers expected the Ohio Senate race to favor Republicans this cycle, but it's far closer than most expected with Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan. Virtually every poll shows a virtual dead heat. The question is, is there any sense it's realistic the Democrats can take this state as the home stretch begins? In the Ohio Senate race, we've got J.D. Vance running for the Republicans, and he's a MAGA candidate. But they wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death of Donald Trump's America First agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't the death of the America First agenda. He's struck quite an isolationist tone. Um, He's better known for being the author of a memoir, Hillbilly Elegy, about the forgotten communities of the state. And he's up against um, current Congressman Tim Ryan, a Democrat, who's running on a moderate platform. And we meet a guy who voted for Trump twice, lifelong Republican. I talked about beating China. I talked about manufacturing. I talked about building things. I talked about infrastructure in Marietta. He got done, and he said, 
This is the most refreshing political conversation I heard in five years. I'm voting for Tim Ryan. He's supportive of some of Joe Biden's policies that have helped Ohio. He's critical of others. And he's also saying that he wants to support the people of the state and rebuild and bring industry back to the area. And and what has J.D. Vance, who is, you know, like you said, sort of an isolationist, what has he said about the war in Ukraine while on the campaign trail? So earlier this year, um, J.D. Vance upset some of the Ukrainian community by saying, At the end of the day, we serve to defend our own country. And I think it's ridiculous that we're focused on this border in Ukraine. Uh, I don't, I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't really, really care, care what happens, happens to Ukraine one way or another. Wow. I can see why that would be upsetting to them. Yeah. So he then did row back and, you know, made sure that people knew that he thought Putin was a bad guy. And he said he he wants the Ukrainians to be successful. But he has said that he thinks that America has sent enough aid to Ukraine and that it should instead be spending money on protecting the southern border. He said that the money spigot needs to be turned off at some point and that, you know, enough has already been sent over there. And and what about his Democratic opponent, Tim Ryan? So Tim Ryan has been very devoted to supporting the people of Ukraine. And he's shown that by turning out locally. A lot of people I spoke to said he was there at the Ukrainian Independence Day parade earlier this year over summer. He also supports uh, sending more weapons to Ukraine, aid to Ukraine. The community all know his name. They know where he stands on this issue. He's had conversations with local leaders Um, And the Ukrainian people feel like he will be in their corner if he gets into the Senate. And has he tried to attack J.D. Vance on on this position? So they came head to head with each other in their first debate. So this question is for both of you. And there was a question about whether America should be prepared to use nuclear weapons, um, given the situation between Russia and Ukraine. And... Tim Ryan said he believed that Ukraine should be supported. And we've got to make sure that we can push back people like Vladimir Putin if they try to invade a freedom-loving country. And J.D. Vance is weak on this. And that this was, you know, an issue for democracy, really. And he believed that, you know, Putin needed to be held back at all costs. I have three kids and I'm running to be the United States Senator for the state of Ohio. I want to protect those children and I want a foreign policy establishment that puts the interests of our citizens first. What everybody has been doing, and I've been at the very forefront of this, saying we need to de-escalate the situation. Carr, did you ask Tim Ryan about the exchange that he had with J.D. Vance regarding aid in Ukraine? Yeah, Tim Ryan said he was upset that it appeared that J.D. Vance didn't care about the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. It was troubling because, one, just the, the humanity of the whole thing or the lack of humanity on the whole thing. And I think last night, you know, J.D. Vance just doubled down on his position that, you know, we shouldn't be helping Ukraine. And that's a very, very stark contrast with my position on it. And and so, you know, we we're going to have pretty much a block of Ukrainian votes um, come election day. But did you hear from anyone who is actually changing their vote because of this issue? One of the first people I spoke to set the tone. I've traditionally voted Republican, but definitely not this year, not with what J.D. Vance has put out. 
Um, Irina Stolar, I met in a Ukrainian restaurant. She works as a host there. She was formerly a cardiologist. And she took a couple of minutes out of her busy evening schedule and sat with me. And I asked her how she was going to vote. And she said, for the first time, she's going to vote for a Democratic candidate. Yes. It's going to be a big change. Big change for me. First time in how many years? First time since since I can remember. I've never voted Democratic. <laughs> she wasn't the only one. I spoke to many Ukrainian-Americans who said that they voted for Donald Trump, but they're now going to be voting for Tim Ryan in this upcoming election. So this seems like a pattern in the area. So how big is this Ukrainian-American community? Like, are there enough people like Irina to actually determine the outcome of this Senate race? So in the last census, over 40,000 people in Ohio said that they were of Ukrainian heritage. And they've been there going back decades. You know, some people arrived after World War II, others came after the collapse of communism, and then you've got people that have arrived much more recently since war broke out this year. And it's one of the most concentrated areas of Ukrainian people in the States. They've traditionally been quite a Republican community. The Republicans, particularly Ronald Reagan, were um, supportive of fighting communism, and so they've always been quite engaged in politics. Because it's such a close race, we could be talking tens of thousands of voters here who were definitive Republican voters who might now be flipping to the Democrats. So that could, you know, in, in, a, in such a close race, that could be the thing that swings it. I'm wondering about just like the politics around Ukrainian support prior to this race. Were Ukrainian issues always a big thing within local politics and that local officials always knew they had to pay attention to that in order to court this, it seems like, important voting block? To use a cliche, uh, Ohioans have always punched above their weight when it comes to Ukraine. And what that looks like in practice is Senator Rob Portman on the Republican side co-founded and co-chairs the Ukrainian caucus in the Senate. And on the Democrat side, Marcy Kaptur, who's in the House, is the co-chair of the Congressional Ukrainian caucus. So this has really been a bipartisan issue in Ohio in the past. And at the Ukrainian Independence Day parade this summer, Tim Ryan was there, Rob Portman was there. So all the representatives for this area have turned out and supported the Ukrainians. And you know, Senator Portman was the first senator to go to Ukraine and meet with Zelensky after war broke out. They have really been leading on how America responds to the war in Ukraine. And so can you tell me about how invested that community is in the war in Ukraine? Like, what are they doing aside from, I'm sure, watching the, the news coverage and, and different reports coming out? They're thinking about this every day. They're waking up in the morning and speaking to family members back home. You know, we had the airstrikes across Ukraine um, and the regions that hadn't been at the heart of the war recently. Um, people woke up and have family members in those places and they have to find out, are my family members okay? Are they still alive? Um, there's one 97-year-old man who is on the internet every day trying to track his cousins as they're internally displaced in Ukraine and wow. see if they're okay, where they are, what they're doing. So it's it's really an emotional and personal issue. First day of the war. First day of the war. I have my employees crying. 
because their mother, their brother, their sister, their cousins are back there. So I went to the credit union in the Ukrainian village and I spoke to Ores Lisineski. He's the manager there. On the day war broke out, he told his employees to go home. These people can't work. All they're thinking about is bombs and people being killed. You know, what's happening to their families? I also talked to Michael Dobronis, and he has actually taken in 10 relatives from Ukraine in the last few months. Five women and five children, ages 2, 4, 7, 10, 14. They're staying in my home as we speak. And it sounds, you know, a bit chaotic. They're all on top of each other, but he really feels like he's doing his part. And then there was also Manus McCaffrey. I went to his home in Parma. He's a 21-year-old. He's not Ukrainian-American. He's American, but he grew up in Parma. He went to school with a lot of people who have Ukrainian heritage. And he really felt like he wanted to do more when the war broke out, more than raise money, send aid. Uh, I got out of the U.S. Army this year, and I went to Ukraine right afterwards because I had known some guys who were going over there, and they said, well, you know, if you're not doing anything, this is a great opportunity to help people, So, and we need all the people we can get. So I did. So he actually flew to Poland and went across the border and ended up fighting with a group of American and Georgian soldiers. What they needed at the time was fighters and people with former military experience, so that's what I decided to do. Um, we fought all over. We fought a little bit a little bit west of Kiev, and then we fought in the south where I was wounded. He ended up being hit by a rocket, and he lost sight in one eye. And how do you feel now from here watching what's happening in Ukraine at the moment? Well, <laughs> I wish I could be there, but... Sorry. Yeah, I miss uh, my guys. I wish I... <laughs> Have you heard from them recently? <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all okay, thankfully. Everyone's doing good. Wow, I mean, what you really hear in his voice is just how personal this is, that this isn't just a political stance, this isn't a talking point, this is something that he risked his life for he's not even Ukrainian-American, and I can't even imagine for his Ukrainian neighbors how, how they feel about this. Yeah, I got a sense from everyone I spoke to that, you know, there's a deep trauma sort of running through the community. They're not in Ukraine, but some of them have been there. They're speaking to family members who are there. Someone else um, I heard about was texting her best friend every day, and then one day the text stopped. And that emotion you can hear in Manus's voice, I think, just shows there's only one issue for them that is going to dictate how they vote in the election. After the break, Kara tries to get answers from J.D. Vance about his position on Ukraine. We'll be right back. So, Kara, did you actually get to talk with J.D. Vance about his position on Ukraine and America's role in the war? 
Well, I tried to speak to J.D. Vance. Um, I spoke to his campaign team, and then I went along to this clam bake in Strongsville, Ohio, which is a bit further out from Cleveland than Palmer. Um, let, let, me just, let me just say a couple of things about me. If you don't know anything about my background, I grew up in southwestern Ohio. I was raised by my mamaw and papaw. So I've been waiting to speak to J.D. Vance after he's given his speech, and he's got a line of voters wanting pictures with him and the team is saying you've got to wait for the voters to interact with him first and then I noticed that JD Vance is leaving. Sorry are you leaving? So that's when I follow him. Excuse me. Sorry are you leaving? I am, yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. Will, I be able, will, will we be able to get comment otherwise? He just gets in the car slams the door and drives off and I'm left with the head of his press and I ask her if I'll get a comment over email. I'm not sure I mean, about this one. Only because the Ukrainian people of Palmer would really like to hear his opinion so I'm just trying to give him a chance to do that. <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate you coming tonight. Thank you. J.D. Vance's campaign team told me that I should get in touch with State Representative Jay Edwards who's from the other side of Ohio in the Appalachia region. And he said his constituents care about the fact that there's no food on the shelves in the food bank. They don't have clean water. Children are hungry at school. And the opioid epidemic has really ripped through the community. And he actually said he thought it was disgusting, the idea of America funneling billions of dollars overseas when it has had regions like his which have been totally left behind. And so my interpretation is that was the J.D. Vance campaign saying, look, this is why... He has been saying we should cut aid to Ukraine to service areas like this. Do you have a sense whether this issue, the war in Ukraine, could actually swing the state to the Democratic side in the Senate race? Is it that big of a deciding factor? It's a really tight race. And it's not just the Ukrainian vote that this could influence, because you've also got a big population of Lithuanian Americans, Polish Americans, mm. Latvian Americans all of whom have a vested interest in Ukraine remaining independent. You know, they're worried that their own countries could be Putin's next target. And so this could extend beyond the 40,000 or so Ukrainian Americans. And when I spoke to Tim Ryan, he said one figure he heard is 250,000 people could be voting with Ukraine in mind. I think the election is going to be very close. And so, you know, I don't know how many... You know, if it's 100,000 votes, maybe, um, you know, some say it's it's upwards of 250,000 votes. Um, and I know that the Ukrainian community is also campaigning and organizing the Polish community, the Lithuanian community and other Eastern European ethnic groups. Kara, this story is so fascinating to me because so often we hear it's almost like gospel that people in this country, they don't cast their deciding vote for and against a candidate because of foreign policy. And it seems like th this could be a situation in which that's not the case, that it is a foreign policy matter that could swing swing the election in one way or another. Did that also stand out to you? Well, when it comes to kitchen table issues, if we think about Michael Dobronas, who's got 10 family members who are recent Ukrainian refugees living in his home, this is 
the main issue on his mind. You know, they, he is feeding those family members, and it's not just him. There's been a big influx of Ukrainian refugees to the area. So I think, yeah, for, for that community in particular, this will be a very different election um, to previous ones because the war will be front and centre. Thanks so much, Cara, for your time. Thank you. Kara McGugan is the Stern Bryan Fellow for The Post. The story was produced by Eliza Dennis. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was edited by Maggie Penman and mixed by Sean Carter. Next Tuesday is Election Day. So all week on Post Reports, we're bringing you the stories you need to make sense of the midterms. So keep listening and check out our continuing coverage on WashingtonPost.com. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs>